Welcome to episode 460 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 460 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, John? On fire, Bevan, ready for a big show. Oh, well, I, I was waiting in the studio to set the studios up. There's a microphone sitting over there with, without John Newsom next to it. What happened? Yeah, wake up and I was, as soon as my alarm went off, I could feel the dizziness starting and I wasn't drunk and uh, it's been a bit of a struggle this morning, Did bit you, of a struggle. Bit of a spew? Bit of a bit of a hug, hugging the porcelain bowl. Chunder. Uh, <laughs> question is, did you um, did you see it coming or just wake up bad? No, I don't just woke up bad. Mm. Woke up bad. Mm-hmm. Not pretty. But I'm here to fight another show. Fight, fight for another day. Is it a I'm food? For the patrons. Is, I'm there for the patrons and the listeners. That's right, mate. Is it a food thing or is it? I'm not sure yet. Not sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just. Oh, there you go. Belinda's just handed me a little uh, hand towel. I'm not allowed to use uh, dry my hands on any of the other hand towels around the house. No. And uh, she's supposed to be having an appointment with Coach John Newsom, her and Jen, at 9.15 this morning. It's their first uh, first coaching appointment. So they're signed up with Training Peaks. They've got the GPS watches. And uh, we may have to cancel our first appointment. Oh, really? Well, we should. Mm. Where's the service? I know, wow. You could take that several ways. You might, have, you might have to do Skype call with them. <laughs> the yeah, that's true. And you're in there. Yeah. Down there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, this week's uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by? Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And some of our awesome patrons, Bruce Tomahawk Tomlinson, Peter Thaus, Martin Van Noos, Jonathan Woodman, and Kevin Hunt. Oh, he's in the hunt. Those are just some of our patrons. Again, if you want to be a patron of the show, you go to our website, www.imtalk.me, go to our patrons page, and there's many of options that you can choose between. Okay, so first of all, uh, we've got some news. We're going to talk a little bit about our 10-year anniversary plans. We've got Statistic. We've got Coach's Corner, John Newson Update, Rent All-in-One. What's happening there, mate? Oh, we'll wait and see. It's just about sort of tempo running and some of my experiences with that. Okay, and then we've got some questions and answers at the end, and then uh, that's pretty much today's show. Uh, news-wise, is, is bugger all news this week, Jumbo? Really is bugger all news. We're very much in between seasons, and there was very little happening last weekend, but we would say that there was some pretty good racing in Cannes in France. Uh, it was over a sort of near half distance, 2K swim, 80K bike, 16K run. Everybody was probably thinking it was going to be a Jan Fredino, Sebastian Keenlay hit out, um, but they both got taken out by the Italian Guilio Molinari, who beat them by a couple of minutes. He had a big gap coming off the bike, and uh, Fredino ran out of real estate in terms of trying to run him down, and Sebastian Keenley was even further back. So uh, the big boys got taken down whilst Leander Cave took out the girls' race. John, I've never heard of this guy, or have I? Uh, no, I haven't really either, but he has won. Um, he did win the European Middle Distance Champs last year and won a couple of challenge races and basically just axes the bike. I think he had five minutes on Roman Guillaume uh, and then, you know, the same sort of gap back to. 
back to Fredino and, and Keenley was even further. He was eight minutes back at one stage. So just a bit of an axe on the bike, I think. So look out for his name uh, popping up a little bit more regularly. I have to say, that's pretty impressive because you're taking out pretty much two of the top guys in the sport. Absolutely. I mean, the top two yeah. guys, you'd really say. Uh, so... I mean, it's it's very early days in the season, and those guys are just sort of rebuilding. And, and I know Fredino, he had a bit of a bike crash earlier in the year. So, yeah, they're probably not at the top of their game, but still, they're pretty bloody good. So, uh, yeah, good right. on him. And then we also just had 170.3 over the weekend, uh, where we had Andy Potts taking it out from Matt Charbot and uh, Tim Reid in third place. And Sarah Pampliona took out the girls' race. So, that is about the extent of our news for the weekend. Well, well, Nothing else happened last week. Well, no, we did the, the Oman race. What's the Challenge Oman race being cancelled? Well, there's, there's rumours that it's been, not, not um, that Challenge Oman might be cancelled because there's, there's, obviously there's wars going, going on all over the place over there. And, yeah, there is some rumour going around on Facebook that it, the Challenge race, which is part of the Triple Crown, may be cancelled, but it certainly has not been official at the stage and other people have been saying no it's still on and there's and so we're not really sure on that one but yeah, there's confusing. question marks around <coughs> challenge Omar and what is going to happen to the million dollar potential million dollar prize purse the triple crown if that race was not to go ahead so those are the questions that need to be answered over the next few weeks it'll be interesting to see what happens there because you know this kind of try series of races that the challenge organization has put on there or challenge family have been pretty well promoted haven't they and you know and so it'll be interesting to see jeez if they have to pull the plug on the race it's it's a kind of big thing isn't it it's big downer but um hopefully they'll i'm sure they'll find some sort of solution but you know i know don't know how many people will be keen to go to somewhere which is right on the edge of a war um it's, it does not sound like a whole bunch of fun to me yeah uh the 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 real starkey but it did a piece that you liked about uh money yeah, I know. So it's uh, trstriathlon.com. Got to give them some credit. He's sort of done a bit of a Torsten and gone in an and really shown what some of the pros are making for the first quarter of 2015. And I would say that this is, you know, the numbers on here are, are somewhat skewed, obviously, by the fact that we had Challenge Dubai offering $300,000 prize purse. But I think it's really just another illustration of the fact that the sport is uh, reasonably top heavy and you know, you, as soon as you start going down the rungs a bit sort of through the, the 10th through 20th, people are not really making that much money. So this part of the seat, this part of the year, you know, we, we've got basically the Australia and New Zealand races and potentially South Africa. I'm not sure if that's included or not. So it'd be more interesting to see this as the year unfolds. But uh, currently based off the, the long distance sort of prize money down under, which is, you know, your challenge races and your half um, and your WTC races, Obviously, you've got Terenzo and Daniela Reef up on top because they both uh, took out the uh, the Challenge Dubai race, and then uh, no surprises that Tim Reed's right up there for the for the boys in second, and the Jeff Simons, Frederick Van Leer fourth, and Andy Potts in fifth. So Terenzo's taken home seventy two thousand, then Tim Reed fifty two, Jeff Simons thirty one, Frederick Van Leer thirty, Andy Potts twenty six. And then it's sort of dropping down by the time you get down to 20th place. You've got Dougal Allen, who's a, a Kiwi fella who finished uh, second, was second wasn't it, at Challenge Wanaka, and he took home $7,000. So um, if you did well in 
you know, uh, the challenge races, then uh, yeah, most of those guys are up towards the top of the rankings there. So very much equality between the two sexes as well. So, you know, Daniela and Terenzo, pretty similar earnings. Terenzo's got a bit more because he's done some 70.3s. Um, and then, but, you know, you've got Daniela Reef, uh, 65,000, Jody Swallow, 15, uh, 49, um, Mal Halscheit, 44, Heather Wordle, 41, and Meredith Kessler, 32,000. And then, uh, similarly, on the 20th place, it's 6,500 Asa Lundstrom. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what actually happens as we as we sort of move through um, through the year. He's also on that article done October through to March um, prize winnings, and Michael Raylert's on top there with 145,000, and you go down to 25th, and those guys are earning 15,000. You go even further down to 50th, so the uh, top 50 are only earning Five thousand and seven thousand, respectively. So, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, it looks like he's really taken this on as a nice little project, and we can actually see what sort of prize money people are making. But what we do need to factor in is that these guys are making good good money from endorsements. You know, we talked to Tim Reed about that when we were in Hawaii, and so his total for that sort of October to March window is eighty two thousand. But he was very much saying that when he's at races winning money, you know, he's getting good bonuses uh, each time he gets on the podium. So very top heavy guys at the top are doing well. Guys that are a bit further down are struggling a bit, I think. Okay, John Bo, you got your ITU update. They're going to hit Cape Town to South Africa this weekend, and uh, Alistair Brown leads on the start list. Yeah, that's basically the update for this week. <laughs> oh, don't kill your update by reading it all out. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> How do you think you'll go? Uh, I think you'll probably smoke it because in a lot of these other guys, you know, the ITU series is very much bang, 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 bang. Then they have, uh, I think they sort of have more or less have June off. But the, some of these guys have raced, you know, multiple races back to back. You know, you've had. Uh, yeah, you know, someone like Gomez, um, who's done you know all the races, done Auckland, he's done Gold Coast, he's done a bunch of other races as well. He did Challenge Dubai, and then we've got someone like a um, Richard Murray, who's done pretty much all the races. Plus, he did. Um, He's done some World Cup races as well. So I'd imagine some of them are starting to get a little bit fatigued. Alistair Brownlee, all he's been doing is training. And uh, we've seen in the past when he comes out of just training, he's, he's usually straight into it. So I'd expect to see him, uh, see him crush it. Okay, Jombo, that's the news for this week. But more importantly, the 2016 IM Talk celebrations. So in 2016, guys, we've been going for 10 years. It's quite funny, actually, because I started listening to podcasts about now, you know, because we started our show in 2016, I think I've been listening to podcasts for about a year before we actually started doing them, or maybe like six, seven months, and a lot of the podcasts, which I still listen to today, 10 years ago, all having their 10-year celebrations now, and it's quite funny kind of, you know, listening to those guys doing all their 10-year celebrations, but because podcasting only really came out about 10 years ago, so... I Am Talk will be 10 years old in April, officially in April 2016. So John and I are going to put on our own little weekend, Jumbo. What's the story? So we're going to have it a little bit earlier because uh, this time in Christchurch in April, things are starting to chill off a little bit. You know, you heard last on last week's show, we had snow and hail and ice and crap everywhere. So we're going to have a little weekend in Christchurch a little bit earlier and I'm provisionally putting it down um, over the weekend of the 19th and 20th of March. And the way we will pan it out is on Friday the 18th of March, we'll do a cross-harbour swim in Littleton, which is uh, the, our local sort of port and, and 
it's quite a cool harbour. It's something I've never done before. When I measured it online, it looked like it was about 4K straight across the harbour. We'd have some um, couple of little support kayaks out there with us, making sure all is okay. So what, what do you think of doing? Because Joe and I actually went for a walk around here the other day. Just a beautiful walk. That one we walked from Littleton right around to Rapaki. And... Mm. Um, from Quail Island back, that's 1.9. So you could almost do two loops of that. Oh, I think we're just going to go straight across, all the way across to Diamond Harbour. Um, oh, nice. I think that's, that's about 4K. So nice. all, you know, just a straight crossing and then we can get the ferry back. We'll figure out some sort of logistics <laughs> in terms of uh, getting some gear over for the other side. But, yeah, some 4K across the harbour. So we're basically going to do an Ironman spread over three days. Then uh, on Saturday the 19th of March, we'll bike to Akaroa and return. Bevan can put the links for these um, these workouts up on oh, the website great, this thanks, week. Thanks. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, but j- even if you're not coming, go and check out the links because uh, it's a pretty epic ride that we're going to do. I've, I've mapped it on uh, ridewithgps.com and uh, you can go in there and suss it out. John, good old John, the mountain snail Hancock, was commenting that he thinks it might take him about a week to do this bike ride. He said, uh, What the hell is going on with that? course profile after 60 kilometers so this ride is 181.6 kilometers from my place door to door and you have 2,398 meters of elevation gain so it's uh there's a fair amount of climbing she's a good honest ride jumbo so we'll do that ride come back and then uh on sunday we're going to run a marathon from my place and again this is Without doubt, I think my favourite run in Christchurch and you know, potentially one of my favourite runs anywhere in the world. So we basically road run for about, must be probably about 10 to 12 k's around to a place called Sumner, which is where Molina lives. And then we sort of hit the hills and we, we run up and it's just got some spectacular views out over the sea. Absolutely fantastic runs. So we'll be doing a 42.2 kilometre run from my place. With with both the run and the ride, there'll be options if people want to do a little bit shorter and they don't want to do the full full Monty. Um, there's different places where you can join that run to make it a little bit shorter. You know, just to do the main part of the run is probably about um, an hour and a half to two hours run, depending on what sort of speed you're at. But it's, um, it's a classic run. So anybody that wants to come to Christchurch should join us. On that, we'll um, maybe you know, start taking names a little bit closer to the time, but we'll go out for dinner maybe on the Saturday or Sunday night. And we'll I'm thinking out Friday, what we could do Friday, because Saturday will be a big day. So Saturday is kind of the big day of the thing, and Sunday everyone will be leaving. So Friday, you know, forecast swim is not going to take much time. So we'll kind of maybe get that and have a kind of a fun afternoon, Vince Day kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, then uh, yeah, Saturday is maybe dinner, and, mm-hmm. then, and then Sunday you'll just bugger off and go home and be tired. Yeah. We've had enough. We've had enough of you by the time we <laughs> you get sick of us. You go. These guys are actually real dorks. <laughs> Just one thing, guys. We have got that blue seventy wetsuit that you can get on uh, eBay. Now, the one thing about the wetsuit is it's going pretty cheap. So if you're in a bit, you need to be in America to get it, don't they? Mm. It's only got three days left on the auctions. So if you listen to this and you need a new suit, it's going to be a killer deal. It's like it's not quite half price, but it's not far off. I think they retail for seven nine nine, and uh, it's up there for four fifty. So get on it, you Americans. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, Jombo, and also Kona Camp. Yeah, I'm, I think this is going to be awesome. There's been some good interest in this. Uh, so I did a bit of logistics planning and trying to figure figure it all out. 
and I think it's looking good. Hopefully, you can come along, Bevan, and join the, join the fun. Join the fun. Yeah. So the plan is for Kona next year. I'm not going to do the the camp in sort of May time around the seventy point three. Um, but given we're going to be in Kona anyway, I thought well, I'm going to pad this out a bit and we'll do a camp uh, around Ironman week. And I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So what the how it would work out would be the Thursday before Ironman, so a week before Ironman, um, people would roll into Kona and would stay down at Manalani, which is 50k's down the Queen K, and then we would uh, train a day there, and then we'd start doing a loop around the island, so the reverse of what I've been doing the last couple of years, so we'll head over to, to Hilo, and then we'll uh, do the uh, all-round volcano and stuff, and then bike back through to Kona on the Monday of race week. And then we'll basically do the camp in Kona in race week. So still go out and bike the Ironman course. We will uh, do the Blue 70 Wetsuit Aquathon Challenge. I've, I've got down to do a uh, the IM Talk Triathlon. We'll do an Olympic distance triathlon from the pier one day. We'll swim the course. So you get to do all the cool um, different parts of the course. So it's still going to be a really challenging camp but you get to be there in race week and then obviously see the race on race day, party up on the Sunday and then uh, bugger off on the Monday. So if you like the sound of that, it's going to be an 11 to 12 day camp, um, looping around the island plus basically getting in all those festivities of race week. Dr. Feelgood's already put his hand up to come and be the super support crew along with a couple of others. And just in terms of the way we're going to work the, the camp fee and accommodation is the camp will include everything um, in terms of the first four days, so when we arrive and then through to Hilo, and then once we get back to Kona, though, you know it's it's impossible to go out for group dinners every night, and it's impossible to get um, accommodation all you know exactly next to each other. So I'm going to have a variety of different accommodation options for people once we arrive in Kona, and we're going to have to book this a long way out. So you know, if, if people want to try to you know get five people into you know a three bedroom unit, then that's going to keep the cost down. Or if you want a one bedroom unit, so I'm not really just doing a straight camp fee. There'll be the camp fee for the for the camp, which will include the first four nights accommodation and food, and it'll include um, a lot of the food after that. But then there'll basically be the tack on on top of that will be for the type of accommodation you want for the rest of that week, and then dinners will be pretty much down to yourself. So if you're keen to get on it, um, it'll depend on numbers, but it'll probably be about two to two and a half thousand for the for the camp, um, and then extra accommodation will probably be about sort of seven hundred and fifty to fifteen hundred, depending on what sort of quality you want, how many people you want to share with. So it should be an awesome time and. Uh, you get to see the Iron, get to see Iron Man as well. Game on team. So and, just and one other thing with that, the way that I was saying for, if you want to try to sell it with a partner, what would be really easy is you know, you, cut, you fly over, do the first four or five days of the camp, and if your better half wanted to come in, they could come in and fly in, and then you can just get a one bedroom unit, and they can be there all week on race week as well, chilling out whilst you still do the camp, which is not going to be all day every day, um, but it'd be a nice way to to to, to sweeten the deal a little bit with uh, with the other partner. Okay, guys, um, let's do a discussion first, Jombo. So, discussion of the week. Uh, discussion of the week, pretty interesting discussion this week. We, and, and what I loved about this week's discussion was people named names. And this, mm. I wasn't expecting that, Jombo. So, the discussion of the week was many of us have training partners that do something that really annoys us. So, this week, we want to know what are those things that people do that annoy you. Let us know what the, who, by the people who train you. But I, So, I forgot about this. Then a couple of days later, I went on Facebook and checked it out. People were naming names, and I was just loving it. Nice. So this is going to be good times. Okay, you want to start? 
Christine McKinlay, can't stand lack of punctuality, lack of spares and fuel, and also incessant talking. Just shut the F up and ride people and constant workout updates posts on Facebook. Okay, well, good old, yeah, the, Tom Ward's got people who constantly ask if they can train with you when they are never available when you offer. These people are also the same ones who always blame others for when things, well, other things when they're performing poorly rather than poor fitness through lack of quality training. My gears are slipping. My wheels, my other wheels are faster. My kids have kept me awake all night. I'm better in the afternoon. The same people that always have a cough or cold. It sounds like Newsome today. Uh, <laughs> the same people who are... Apparently awesome when no one else is there to see that they ran you know, 8.9 for 100 metres the other day in the back garden. They also blow up on race day because they think that they're faster than they actually are. The same people who can't even fix a puncture. I get asked if I mind training with my own sometimes. I get asked if I mind training my Sorry. I get asked if I mind training my own sometimes. That sounds like one of Newsom's rants. You've got to be replies <laughs> nice. on that one too. Uh, John Ballard and uh, Paul O'Doherty, good old pod, uh, both had surging off the front, uh, or put John had surging off the front after wheels sucking, and Paul had half wheeling and surging for no reason. Metinch has uh, got, uh, I get annoyed by uh, people by enjoying myself, making jokes and not taking things too seriously because I thought triathlon was supposed to be fun. It took me a while to realize some people take their playtime really, really serious and it's best to give them some space in the sandpit. Martin Sylvester, um, half-wheelers, all of them. There's a lot of people who are going up. A lot of people are saying half-wheelers. A lot of people are saying surging. A lot of people like Tom Galvani are showing up late, flaking out the night before or the morning of. Nothing worse than someone piking out last minute. Oh, good old pod. Poor old He's got half-wheeling and surging for I no just reason. That one no, you, no. You, you but, never listen to but, me. But then his friend, a good old Clyde Rosendale, Rosensky, or whatever you say his name, his name, named in shape, Lame's band, Lam, James Lambert, come on down. James Lambert's got, no, I fault you can't keep up. And he's, and Clyde's gone, yes it is. And then goes, uh, someone else has said, and uh, Lambo is a bandit for it. So there you go. The naming is so, shaming. I'm loving it. Someone who's not going to get invited on any rides anymore is Ian Wood. People with children who think 6 a.m. a 6 a.m. ride in the middle of winter is an ideal time to train. <laughs> Come on, Ian. You haven't experienced it. You don't know what you're missing out on. And 6 o'clock is a bloody sleeping. Good old uh, Andrew Mc, uh, O'Connor has got my mate AJ doesn't know how to spit properly. (laughs) Every ride with him has a forecast for rain. (laughs) (laughs) And then Adrian Ballantyne's got uh, Mark Bormains, Bormanus, 10 minutes late for every ride. Then Mark's come back and said, Simon Hearns, recovery rides are being at my 10k TT and speed and Tim Blackwood not attending a BST ride since the 60s and then Tim Blackwood's come back and said how would that annoy you I'm a liability I enjoy long rides with a short pair so there we go uh, have you, done, you haven't done Philip Ellis, have you? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, he says, Robert Hart likes to leave important items of clothing like his helmet at home when we go for cycles or no shoe covers when it's one degree or sunglasses when he knows he wears contact lenses that dry up. Shall I go on? And then Sw- Swanee's got a good one, old speedwalker Swan, Richard Swan. Um, I also know of a prominent New Zealand athlete who would run with music on through earphones when going on a group run. Good old friend. I'm, I'm hearing you, Swanee. That would frustrate. What was I wasn't listening. What was that? Was it again? Going running with an iPod when you're going on a group run. What's wrong with that? Well, you're supposed to talk to people. It's group social run. Yeah, you yeah, to go. But, but you can put your music. You don't talk the whole time, do you? 
you do? When you're doing it, no, whatever. If I went for a run with you and I talked the whole time, I'd do your head in. Yeah. 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 Don't wear iPods when you're going training with other people. I don't mind that. I don't have a problem with that. But you know when to turn them off and turn them on. That's the key. Francesca uh, Stafford, she's got Neil Stafford, likes to implement the walk run strategy on long runs. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else have I got? I think. Uh, I think that's about it for me. Well, uh, Swanee, no, got Cameron, 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 Cameron Griffiths, people that don't train. Mark Cochran, laugh out Good old Richie Swanee Noah has also come back with Dino Gaskin, always wanting to stop for a calf 2Ks from his place, which is a pain in the house when you have to stop and then do a run. So yeah. that's true. Yep. So there you go. What's, what's it for you, John? What did I have down here for me? Um, I, like I think Chrissy McKinlay had a good one in there. People who don't have tubes or a pump to pump up their tyres or, or don't know how to change change a uh, flat that does my head in. But possibly the biggest one that gets on my nerves is uh, riding in the middle of the road. So if you're riding two abreast and the outside person really starts to drift into the middle of the road and stops traffic coming past, that does my head in because I know that motorists think we're all a bunch of idiots anyway getting in the way and when people can't keep the left, absolutely does my head in. Never three, three abreast riding... Come near me with three for three best riding, and the Glock's coming out, and you're in all sorts of all sorts of bother. Have, how often have you yelled at training partners? Like, have you do you do the yell? Are you the yeller? No, I just subtle subtle hints. You know, hey, you might just want to ride a little bit closer to the left there. What about people who are sitting too close behind you? Because I remember when I first started riding in Gordo, and the whole crew was in Christchurch. And I used to suck on the wheel of those guys. And, uh, and Gordo would sit up and say, oh, you know, you, you want to back it up a little bit? <laughs> no, you, you sit on people's wheels. Yeah, not you don't crash into it. On, swimming, on the other hand, I had down there, yeah, swimming on people's butts, is uh, that can get pretty frustrating. If you, ha- if you are just literally hanging in there and you're being polite and you are a bit slower, drafting's okay. But if you're just being lazy, that's not acceptable. Oh, I, see. I was always drafting, but I think the thing that annoyed me was something if, if someone's sitting in your butt is don't touch your toes. In the pool, that is an absolute no-no. Absolute no-no. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's wrong. Um, anything that really annoyed me? No, just bad pants. If, you, if, you, if your pants are, you know. See-through. Yeah, see-through pants. You know, even black pants can come see-through if you haven't bought some in five years, team. So just remember that. Invest in some mm. new pants. Mm. Because no, you don't want to see someone's hairy butt crack, especially if it's a girl. You yeah. know, <laughs> especially if it's a girl, I don't want to go the other way. Saying, especially if it's a guy, uh, as, as you're out there riding. So get, make sure you've got recent equipment. That's what I'm going to say on that front. Okay, John, but this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was sent through by War Agent Smackdown Warren uh, Sutherland, and has got. I've been catching up with some previous shows and I was thinking about the historical relevance of competing in Kona and other historical races in our sport, the escape from Alcatraz. Does Alcatraz have that much draw that we do not actually see as we are commercialised by the big brands or is it just that the locals and the true triathletes who have had it on their bucket list race before they hang up their shoes or budgie smugglers? I've been going to Kona and watched and I totally uh, wigged out when I was there in 2005. I got to see Cam Brown run that day which was awesome. Uh, He thinks that if it was another 5Ks, Cam would have taken the win. But I also passed through San Fran and has started to think more of the Alcatraz race after a friend mentioned to me that he was doing it this uh, as his last race. 
as his hip won't sustain him much longer in his running. I have a major foot issue since 2012 Ironman New Zealand. The Kona dream is all but fizzled out and I still love the sport and coaching the kids in Wellington has been fantastic. But I do have some bucket list races, which would be the ones which, uh, which where qualification isn't a prerequisite. I have three that I'd love to do. He's got Alcatraz, Penticton, which I think Penticton would be interesting because I think he's volunteered in 2000 and he's saying he mm. loved that race then, but it, is the challenge race that I'm in race that he experienced and also challenge Wanaka in 2016. So I suppose ultimately the question is what are your bucket list race? So I've got, I've got three, three events cause he, uh, cause Warren had three events down there, Alcatraz, challenge Penticton and challenge Wanaka. So I thought, right, let's limit it to three. So what are your three events or three top events on your bucket list that you would love to do one day? Okay. So, and do, what do they have to be triathlons? No, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, it could be things like comrades or, um, or you know, marathon de sable or um, whatever. Really, anything you want. John Newsom's House of Triathlon. House of Travel Triathlon. Sorry, even. House of Triathlon Travel. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sp- okay, this is this week's discussion. John sponsor. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Bevan. I'm I'm loving it. Bit of extreme endurance. I don't think no matter how much. Uh, gut endurance or immune boosts I've taken. I don't think that would have helped me this morning, but uh, it's, it's, it's a good way to help you through through your winter. What I was going to say, Bevan, is that it looks like they've got some new T-shirts out at uh, Extreme Endurance, oh. and these are not just the crappy T-shirts, which, excuse me, <clears throat> I've just got you know Extreme Endurance plastered all over it. It's actually just nice, subtle it advertising quite, quite front, nice design, and they're it? looking, it, it's, it looks more like the X-Men type thing. You know, when I look at that, I'm thinking... You're pretty funky. So, and they meet Bevan's uh, T-shirt criteria, twenty-five, uh, twenty-four ninety-five, five cents under your $25 rule, which is always good. Well, John, it's, inflation's taken up to 30 nowadays, so that's well oh. under. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And they're, they're pre, pre-shrunk, um, so they're you know, nice fitting T-shirts, Bevan, which I think will also go, go nicely with you. So get on it, guys. Um, obviously, we talk about extreme endurance every week on the show, and it's, uh, you know, in terms of, a uh, variety of products you've got there. You've got your extreme endurance to help your the muscle burn. You've got the execute to help with your recovery. Um, you've got the probiotics. You've got the the gut endurance as well. Um, but if you want to look funky at the same time um, and you're in need of a new T-shirt, they've got uh, singlets for the girls and they've got um, a variety of T-shirts plus a trucker's hat. So get on at xendurance.com and uh, you can look good as well as race good with all the products. I have to say, the T-shirts are really nice. And as John was saying, the design mm. is actually just a really cool – it's actually you wouldn't – like it's not a big kind of branded design for a company. It's it's just this kind of mm. – it's their logo, but it's been done really well. And as John was saying, it's a nice fitting top, and us fitted people do tend to like to wear clothes that, you know, show the work that we do. So um, check it out. They've got 90,000 likes on Facebook, John. I know. X Endurance, you guys rock. Yeah, so check it out, xendurance.com, and get yourself some product, and while you're there, grab a T-shirt. Okay, okay, Jonbo, we're going to put music on, but there's no need to, John, because no one's. we need a new age group of the week. We do. We, um, I think I'm cold out of age groupers of the week, so if you've seen any noteworthy performances uh, of late, you know, especially you guys at you know, Ironman New Zealand or Melbourne or anything like that, um, or anything from you know, late last season, get them through to us, and we love to tell stories about some of those fantastic people in our sport. Also, if you've sent one through and we haven't put it on, because sometimes they get lost in translation or transition, um, 
send them through again because maybe maybe you sent one through and we haven't put it on, so just sometimes it happens as well. Okay, Jonbo, let's do it. One, two, three. Stats, stats, fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, you, you seem to be getting lots of stats recently. Oh, this is a good one. So this was sent through from Arnold Sulikov. Um, this, uh, the basic stat, I'll tell a story in a moment, but the stat is Mark Allen went 10 races, 10 wins at the Nice Triathlon. That's now, incredible. That, that is incredible because for if, let's say you're just new to the sport in the last kind of 10, 15 years, you don't really understand the significance of Nice. So, John, maybe let's talk a little bit about that first. I'll, I'll go, well, he explains a fair amount of this in the email, so I'll read it out. One interesting stat, or at least to me, is the absolute domination of Mark Allen at the Nice Triathlon, which he is even rating higher than a six times win in Kona. Not only he won the race ten times with two streaks of five, but he was never defeated on the course, even though all the biggest names tried to give him a good run for his money. Neither Lessing, Barrel, Cordier, um, Yves Cordier, a lot of you guys haven't heard of, but he's a legendary France guy. Molina, Tinley, and even more ever managed to get him off the top position. I can't find much on the net about the epic battle he had in his last race there against Yves Cordier, but this is what he had to say about it. I raced the event 10 times. I won it 10 times. In many ways, that's more amazing to me than winning six times in Hawaii. I had some really tough races there. The most difficult was my penultimate victory when Yves Cordier was over seven minutes ahead at T2. By the turnaround of the run, I'd only made up about two minutes. It wasn't happening. Yves was going to win. So I just told myself that if I continue to run like a triathlete I would lose but if I tried running like a runner I might have a chance so what I did was to just surge for as long as I could as I could take it as if I was going for 1k repeats at the track um it took me until the sign that said 400 meters before the finish before I was able to get close to him. Then I passed him with just meters to go in the race. At this time, it was believed that he ran the last kilometer in, in sub three minutes, wow. which for, for Americans, that is, uh, you know, it's a 30 minute 10K. Uh, I was there, and so Arnold was there in 92 for his first ever long distance triathlon, and you'll never forget seeing him going the other way at the airport. He was followed by literally hundreds of people on bikes they were other times so yeah nice was it was, used to be a big big race it used to get all the big guys racing there and mark allen just absolutely crushed it i remember watching him race against simon lessing there one year and he you know lessing was just incredible and they went head to head and he just lessing just got spat out on the run they ran head to head for, for a big part of it and then mark allen just put on the allen surge and just uh and just crushed I think it if, so if you want to go back impressive. to listen to our legends of triathlon podcast listen talks about that race on the podcast mm-hmm. i think yeah mm-hmm. it, it's, it's pretty it's pretty like far out, everyone knows about mark allen in that sport but he really was just something special wasn't he it was so we just uh, we just recorded our Legends of Triathlon for this month, and we interviewed Paul Huddle, who was uh, spent a lot of time training with him, and you know, they all put Mark up on a on a pedestal. He was just a you know a whole another level uh, in terms of all distances, not just Kona, but all distances around the world. He was the business. So yeah, pretty impressive stat when you go ten wins from ten races undefeated on on that course. Of that quality field as well, you know. Mm. Just, 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 I know we've probably talked a little bit about this in the past. What happened to Nice? I don't know exactly how it finished. I mean, they have the they have Iron Man there now. Um, but it was like you know, it was the big race. It was Kona and Nice, wasn't it? It was. So, uh, 
It's a good question. I don't know the answer. Maybe I'll do some research on that. Arnold, if you can uh, fill us in. Um, but it was a big TV thing as well, and it might have been that yeah, just the TV money um, just, just dried up and then the race sort of started to fizzle out a bit. It did keep going for, for quite a while in terms of the Nice distance, in terms of the four, I think it's 4K swim, 120K bike, 30K run, so it wasn't quite that iron distance. But I do know that in the latter years that the race kept going, but it didn't have the same sort of money and didn't draw quite the same sort of field. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do some research well, on that. At what stage did it start to lose its kind of prestige? I'll, I'll do some research on that one. You're not quite sure? Okay. <laughs> no, like when you were a young man in triathlon, was Nice still a big thing? Uh... It would have. It was starting to fade out. I remember Jenny Rose winning there once. She was a, a Kiwi athlete, and they had the like the ITU World Long Distance Champs. I think she won that there. Um, so I would have, at a guess, I would have thought sort of yeah, mid to late nineties. That's probably when it started to fade out a bit. Probably probably late nineties. Okay, good times. Thanks, Arnold, for sending it through. Okay, Jumbo, you coach's corner. CJN update rant of the week. What's happening? Give it. Yeah. We haven't got music because you're you're not here. What's happening? Uh, so, just a bit of a training update. Um, I'm not going to be doing quite the, the Project 2014 updates, but this year it's all about marathon running, and so I thought I'd combine a bit of that into this week's segment along with uh, along with a little, a little rant as well, a little bit of coaching stuff all combined into one. So, um, when I started training back a couple of months ago, you know, fitness was at a pretty low point. Didn't you know? Didn't do much after Kona all the way through summer. So about sort of January time, started to kick things off. And one of my workouts each week is my sort of Saturday morning run. It is a pretty early start. We usually start at five thirty, maybe six o'clock, and it's it's really my tempo run for the week. And so what I'm building that up to be is you know a lot of marathon paced running and I think for middle of the packers and back of the packers it's really important to understand um, if you're looking at you know um, I'm, I'm not a exceptional runner by any stretch but if you're looking at say pro athletes whether they be triathletes or runners and they're talking about marathon pace work you know for, for say someone who's a four to five hour runner, marathon pace work might not actually be um, overly challenging um, in terms of say a percentage of maximum effort. But for for me and for for top runners, you know, running at marathon pace is requires it's quite it's quite hard work. And um, you know because you got to remember if you're say running a two and a half hour marathon, um, your pace relative to your ten k pace is quite a bit closer than say if you were a say a five four to five hour marathon there's probably quite a bigger spread and you're you're operating at a, at a lower percentage of effort so for me going out and doing tempo sort of work marathon pace work is actually is is quite hard stuff and so how I really started things out was uh, by doing five by two kilometers at four minute four minute k pace and for me when I first started off that is around about my marathon effort. By the time I get to race time, I'll be down to about 3 minutes 45 or a little bit quicker per K. So it's just a case of taking it a bit easier, um, but that 4-minute K pace did feel like race pace for me, but only short intervals and just starting to build it. And then I built up to 4 by 3 kilometres at 4-minute four, four K pace, and then over a couple more weeks was up to 10 minute, uh, ten kilometres at 4-minute K pace. So each sort of couple of weeks, I'd take a sort of step up, 
and just get adapt to to running at current sort of marathon effort and then the idea is that over over the winter I'll build up so that my Saturday morning run I'll be able to do a few sessions where I basically do a half marathon at marathon pace and that'll be a couple of my key workouts so really important that you get accustomed to running at race pace or potentially just a little bit quicker but the other part of the story was um so on Saturday morning, I was doing. Uh, I had. I was built up to two by five kilometers at three minute fifty k pace, and you know how we were talking before about um, the things that annoy you when you're out training. You know things that training partners do. Yep. One thing that really annoys me is when you're out cycling or running, and there's um, some headlights right in front of you, and they're on full beam, and you're running towards them. And so there's, Saturday morning, there's mountain bikers who have literally car lights on their car, don't on their bikes. Yeah, they? yeah. And, and cars that have their lights on beam as well. Does that, does that annoy you, Bevan? Yes, it does, actually, John. It yeah, does. Yeah, yep. yeah, good, good. So I was running along Saturday morning doing my five-kilometer repeats, and you know, this is the first time I've gone at that sort of pace. And I'm, 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 I think I was into my last kilometer of my first rep, and you know, just starting to get a bit tired and a little bit ragged on it, running along. And then there's this bloody car in front of me. It's got its lights on beam, and, I, and it's, it was a reasonably long straight. And so you can, there's no, it's again, it's pitch black. These lights, I'm going far out, man. I'm trying to concentrate here. The bloody car has got his lights on full beam. I'm getting closer and closer. The car's not moving. His lights are on full beam. I'm getting more and more fired <laughs> I know, I know where this going is going. Far out. This is really <laughs> annoying. Finally get to the car, running past and going, what a dipstick that person must be. <laughs> and then on the side of the road is bloody Joe putting her, her little uh, arrows for their Saturday morning runners. And I'm thinking that's probably Bevan sitting in that car with his lights on full beam. It was. It was. It was. I don't, I don't know if I had my lights on full beam, but... They were on full beam. I was getting bloody well blinded by them. Hey, I'm looking after my partner, John. I don't care about you out there. She's going down the road. I've got to make sure it's safe for her. I'm looking out for what's in front of her. I don't care you're, about you. You're lucky you've still got a windscreen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Lucky. So um, I guess at the point of this this little segment by me was um, if you if you're out there and you're you're looking at you know columns online, you're seeing pros doing this, that, and the other thing, and if they say right, you know I'm going out and doing a two by five kilometers at marathon pace, and if that's not um, if you're somebody who is more in that four to five hour window for your racing, you need to adjust things down a bit because you've got to remember that those guys when they're doing marathon pace, you know they might be running two to two and a half hours for a marathon so they're, they're, they're operating at a higher percentage intensity so you've got to think well if I was in their shoes you know how fast would I be going if I was doing a two to two and a half hour sort of effort and that might be for you to get the same sort of workout you might need to be doing those two by five k's at say your half marathon pace not your marathon pace if you want to do a comparable workout so just yeah a little asterisk if you are looking at other pro athletes and stuff and trying to replicate their workouts it may be that you you need to do them at a slightly um, higher intensity or higher pace relative to those people. So plus, um, carry a stone in your pocket when you're out running and if anybody else uh, beams you, get the stone through the window. <laughs> Joe goes to me, John, I just saw John, you're doing some carry repeats. And she goes, he yelled something at me, I didn't know what the heck he said. <laughs> I was right at the end, I was on the river, I wasn't stopping. <laughs> It wasn't my happy place, Bevan. It was not my happy place. I, go, I just go, he'll be giving me shit about something. <laughs> Turns out I was right. Yes, it was. <laughs> Turns out I was right. <laughs> okay, John, sponsor. 
uh, I was having a look at um, Athlinks yesterday. I was thinking, what, what could I have a, have, a, have a chat about today? And uh, a really cool thing on there that you can do is um, I love, love the rivals. So I thought, I wonder who's, who, who races a lot. And I, and I know a guy that I work with, um, Rob Green. So I plug Rob's name into to Athlinks. And uh, Rob's done, got 140 races up on Athlinks, plenty on there. Wow. And his, even in his picture on Athlinks, he's got a, his pair of I Am Talk uh SLS try shorts. They use them as part of their sort of uh, team kit, and he's he's done over four thousand race miles on Athlinks. But one of the cool things, you know, when you've got your rivals uh, set up in there, you can just go through. And so I know one of Rob's main rivals was uh, Moose Herring. They both qualified for Kona last year, and it just goes through. Moose has done a hundred races, and those two, when they've gone head to head, is uh, Rob's got twenty three wins and fifteen losses. And so basically, those two guys can go through there and entire you know racing history where they've gone head to head and every single race they can go through now and say so i'm thinking right they're, they're looking at the, the bare five mile run in july 2008 they can click on that and they can go rob uh took it out and he was uh, actually no moose took it out and rob was two minutes and six seconds behind and they can go through all their races now and really suss out these uh these different rivalries that they've had and and who's got closer at the different races and what was the most important one so if you've got any really good mates that you have raced and you've had lots of really close races over the year years make sure that you're both on athletics and you can go through and you can just uh suss out who really is a better athlete. Here we go. Also, guys, just if you are on Facebook, um, like Athlinks, because they actually, their feed's really good. They have lots of good news and stuff. I often find myself clicking on the articles in my news feed from Athlinks. So if you're on Facebook, check out athlinks.com. Okay, Jumbo. And the, the 2008 Kinetic Half half Lion Try, Rob just absolutely crushed Moose. Oh, Moose, sharp up. Minutes. Rob went uh, 4.46, Moose went 5.18. Crushed him. Crushed him. Sharpen mm. up, Moose. Sharpen up. Okay, Jumbo. Questions and answers. Okay, Jumbo. First question here. Um, last week we were talking about that forty-two. Oh, I haven't done this. I was going to do this. I forgot to do it. Flag that. I'll do it next week. Was that from Tim's team email? Oh, yes. Actually, we did. Yeah. No. Uh, carry on. Sorry. So, carry so, on. So it's, it's interesting because we got the email through from Houdini. Um, Frank and just saying, you know, he thinks it should actually just be forty forty, uh, both female and male. And John, your point was well, actually, in the men's, there's guys above forty who could potentially do well in Kona. And then Tim Hemming sent through us an email and just saying that actually Ben Hoffman was ranked forty first going into Kona mm-hmm. last year, and he got third, or second, uh, top five, top maybe it was second or third. I yeah. think it was. Yeah, I can't actually remember. Top of my head, but yeah, but he, did, he had an amazing race, and so he kind of proved your point quite. Right there, Jumbo. Nice. Yeah, you're right. I love it when I'm right. Well, yeah. And I guess my point was, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up and we'll talk a bit more about it in a minute. My point was, whether the girls who were say be ranked in thirty to forty, whether they would have much of an influence on the race in terms of their their star quality. Because I was I didn't think of the Ben Hoffman example, but my point was say Marino van Holnacker, he was uh, ranked well down the rankings and he could have had an influence on the race. And I know Bevan Bevan Doherty only managed to just scrape into the race as well, and potentially he could have had a big influence. That being said, I saw Andy Potts doing an interview somewhere um, a couple of weeks ago, and he said. Look, whatever the number is, I'll make it. So I don't I don't care what what my number ranking is. But if you say there's 35 guys in Kona, I'll make sure I'm in the top 35. If there's 50, I'll make sure I'm in the top 50. So um, 
yeah, it's, the, 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 the ranking doesn't matter. They, they just need to, I don't know. They just need to. So, as in, as in, the top guys will get you know, you know, if you if you whatever the cutoff back. is. So, yeah. so if, if Marino had had to be in the top thirty-five, he it probably would have figured out a way yeah. to get there. If Ben Hoffman had to be in the top thirty-five, he probably would have figured out a way to get there. Well, so. the, you know, to Frank's point, you know, if if the if the reason I'm not going to the numbers is because it's the cost, then if you do eliminate some of the guys, then that no longer is a problem. So, mm. the, you know, that side of the argument is a pretty good one. Mm. I'm not sure if, uh, what, the, what, what is the justification for not doing it? I can't remember um, well, they, they, they have said in the past you know, it's space on the pier but then Andrew Messick has said it's not space on the pier because um, it's more you know, they, for the age group race it's not space on the pier it's the fact that it's just a sheer weight of numbers and you can't have any more people out on the course so I want to get Andrew. I want to. I don't know the answer to that. They, they haven't really come up with a great example. I think that the classical one has been in the past that that the men are stronger than women. But I think that that Torsten has clearly showed that um, the competitiveness of the women is uh, is on par with the men. Um, but there are still a lot more men professionals doing the sport. So I guess that's probably the justification. Mm, interesting. Okay, we um just you just noticed that Tyler Hamilton was in New Zealand for uh, drug free sport, promoting drug free sport in New Zealand. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah, you know, he was coming out and he's sharing a story, and some people, the cynics amongst us, will say, well, he's trying to trying to make a buck off his off his story and whatever. But I just think it's good that he's getting out there and, and actually trying to make a bit of a difference in terms of talking to drug free sport New Zealand, talking to um, an audience of up and coming athletes, saying, right, well, this is this is what I did. This is how it worked. This is how I screwed up. These were the pressures I was under, and he's actually trying to make a difference out of being an absolute um, douche and uh, denying it, denying what he did for a long time. And actually, yeah, he was involved in the whole Armstrong era as well. But actually, now he's actually trying to make a difference. So I thought, just take my little hat off to him, and I and I like what he's doing. I think it's really fascinating. Actually, I think I I, I find these people very interesting. Like Tyler Hamilton's been an important person over the last period of time in regards to opening up. What was really happening with sport and far out, I couldn't put that. I read his book in a day, I couldn't put it down. Um, but also, I find it really interesting when your life becomes about telling yesterday's story, and that's the only way the world kind of sees you. Like, I imagine just about probably 90, 70% of the conversations he has, or every conversation he has, probably with new people, is all based around that stuff. And I just always find that that's a really fascinating life when you've kind of how you make a living is out of a story. Like I look at Jonah Lomu. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jonah Lomu is, you know, will go down as probably the most globally recognised rugby player of all time and a significant rugby player in the New Zealand scheme of things. And he's got a pretty interesting story, but that was 15, 20 years ago now, or probably mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago. And he still tries to make a living from the story of his past. And I just think that there must be a really interesting life to have to lead, you know, to always... Cause at the end of the day, Tyler probably has 15 stories he repeats. So I remember the first time we had Mark Allen on the show, and we were mm. really disappointed in our interview, And, uh, and whereas our Legends interview was great because we kind of got to talk to the man. And mm. the first time we had Mark Allen on the show, it was like he just has these, these stories he tells, and we said hello, and he just clicked play within his head, and the stories came out. And I just find, I don't know, I just think that's a really interesting life, eh? It is, but... But so often they just get asked the same questions all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and we don't know. You know, you talked about Joan Loma and you don't know if it's Tyler Hamilton, whether 
whether they they are trying to do this for themselves or whether they get asked to do it, and that's just um, you know, if if yeah. Wow, well, let's be honest, and 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 nothing against Tyler Hamilton. I'm sure he's made a lot of money out of the story. You know, like he just he just like I made his website right now. He's speaking. Obviously, he would have made a lot of money off that book, and I'm you know speaking fees for someone like him. You'd be probably paying upward of ten, fifteen thousand dollars a talk. Mm. Um, you know, at least so. You know, he he's probably do, you know it's kind of a catch twenty two, isn't it? You know, like do I benefit from the evils of my past? And um, he obviously is, and uh, mm. and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because what he's done has been important for the sport. But I just you know I just I just think that's a really fascinating life. Mm. Anyway, um, Chance Barber haven't heard from Chance in a while, but he sent through a email just about uh, Wahoo Cooker. I mean, sorry about Trainer Road. And he was just saying um, they're just doing a really amazing job with customer service. He did, yeah. He said uh, he was he was heard us talking about it, and he went out and bought a Wahoo kicker, and then he got talked to to Rob at Trainer Road, and he answered all my questions before my purchases. He helped me to understand all the items I needed to have the best setup and take full advantage of all these resources. Rob checked back with me to see if I'd gotten things set up and if I had any questions. And once I was up and running, I sent Rob an email telling him how impressed I was with their product, and Rob checked my FTP tests and noticed that I had my kicker set up incorrectly and wasn't taking advantage advantage of the kicker and their software so outstanding service good stuff trainer road jumbo i'm going to chuck in a new segment right now okay it's called random questions for john okay help well, me with that well the reason is we're only 51 minutes into the show we've got to do it now. I'm, I'm ill bevan i'm sick i'm struggling you don't actually look that ill to be honest <laughs> I'm you're lucky i put a top on for you i was sitting here in a sweat before and i knew when you'd want to turn the bloody camera on i thought Probably best not to be sitting here in a pair of boxes sweating away. I've seen that hairy chest many times. Don't you worry. I would would have been okay with the hairy chest. Okay, (laughs) random questions for John. Now, these will be triathlon questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Trivia or just random? No, no, no. no, There's stuff that can help the audience. So what do you think is the number one biggest mistake a new person who's totally new to triathlon makes when they first start training? Uh, Not doing enough race-specific workouts, as in swim, bike, run. Okay. Put together, doing it like a race simulation. So so in your training, you should be doing a lot more of that stuff? As you're getting ready for a race, yeah. Maybe once every three weeks in the final 15 weeks or so, you should be doing you know, a swim, bike, run session. Okay. Next question, what's the biggest mistake people make on race day? Going too hard on the bike. Okay, good, good. Uh, next random question, um, um, one thing that people can do to improve their swimming. Um, get themselves videoed, even if it's just with by your partner. And the main thing is, is if uh, if you're in the pool, get them to uh, stand directly in front of you. you. Just need an i an iPhone or an iPad or whatever, and film you swimming directly towards you. And then have a look at a little bit of online footage, and I would say the number one thing that people do crossing um, is, is crossing over. So by that, your hand is coming flying across in front of your head, and then you pull sideways, and then you start zigzagging through the water. So it's not going to be a, an amazing swim analysis, but often a lot of the time when when I do video analysis with people on camps and stuff, um, you know, first thing you, you video them, and then first thing you do, you just show it to them in normal speed, and they just go, ah, shit. They, they, they pick out you know a couple of the faults the faults they pick out pretty easily straight away in terms of the, you know, the smaller things they can do to improve you know often it's catch and stuff that's a little bit harder to, to pick straight away but often just by seeing it yourself you go ah oh, 
didn't realize that. So I would say uh, just getting some basic video, basic video analysis done. And a plug for a really good app to do that with is one called uh, Ubersense, and then you can slow things down. And it's I'm pretty sure it's got a it's well, it's definitely got a Mac app. I'm pretty sure it's got an Android one as well. And then you can basically slow most stuff um, right down. And then you can just go through the different parts of your of your stroke. Okay, next question. I'm just thinking random questions. How many is it going to be? Oh, we're, we're going to get to an hour. Okay. You know, we're going to get to an hour. Um, next random question is. In your own athletic career, when you've had those kind of breakthrough moments and kind of finding next level, what have been some of the keys for those? My best period of racing ever was culminated in me beating Peter Reid and uh, the Laguna Puka. Never heard about that. Do you want to tell us about that? I've never heard about that. (laughs) But um, that season was broken into two years, and the second part of it, and it was basically uh, consistent training, but consistent racing, and then having a break. And then going at it again. So uh, it was a tail end of my season. And then I just raced a huge amount through that year. So I guess the secret to my success that year was uh, consistent racing. I think when I went over to France, I did 10 races in 11 weeks in the first um, stint of the season, then had a break, and then did about another six or seven races in, in eight weeks. So I guess the secret to that season for me was uh, just consistent racing and learning how to race, you know, really learning how to race regularly and, and just toughening myself up. So I see a lot of Ironman athletes who, you know, they might do one or two events a year, maybe three. Um, so I, w- I would say I would encourage people every third year, if you're, you're an iron junkie and you love your Ironman racing, that's all good and well, but maybe every third year or so, is go out there and have a season of short course racing and race really regularly. Now, racing every week, I was a young man at the, at the time, and you know, so it's a bit different when you're 21 and you're just going for it and you've got a, a young man's body versus if you're sort of in the, your 40s or 50s. But I would say that uh, most of us could benefit from a season of short course racing every uh, three or four years if you want to take your performance to the next level and just, um, just toughening yourself up a bit mentally. Okay, next random question. Who's who? Who is your favourite athlete of all time, and why? Triathlete, yeah, but guy and girl. Probably guy would have been uh, probably Simon Lessing, just because he was just un- almost unbeatable. Um, and then, so Brownlee Emma- doesn't Brownlee doesn't have the same appeal to you? Oh, he does, but you know that's just you know I could probably pluck out five or ten, but just for me, straight up, I'd probably say Simon Lessing. And just, that was probably it was probably when you well. It was just a different era, and um, you, know, you sort of had that combination of non-drafting, drafting, and he was able to do it, you know, over a variety of different distances. And you know, every time he turned up, you know, when Brownlee races this time these days, you go, yeah, he's probably going to win, yeah. um, probably. But back in those days, you'd go, Lessing's going to win. It's like the, there was basically no question about it. Something would have had to happen for him not to win. Um, and then girls, um, possibly um, possibly Emma Carney. I'm trying to get her on Legends. I tried to get her on a while ago. but uh, She was a funny one, wasn't she? She was the one with the father. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she was just the most, possibly one of the most beautiful triathlon triathlon runners that I've ever seen. And she was a crappy swimmer. And just she, within a year or two, she came from being nowhere to just absolutely crushing everybody. And uh, just so impressed with the way that she ran. So um, she was the first, possibly the first, not no, no, that's not right. She's not the first runner, runner, but. 
in terms of when I was around, she was the first sort of real pure runner you saw. You, you saw. You did see some great runners before her in terms of Erin Baker and um, and Carol Montgomery and people like that. But um, Emma Carney was just uh, was just an impressive specimen. Okay, uh, hard question. What makes you a good triathlete? Uh, what makes John Newsom? What do you think your strengths are? Oh, just years and years of training, just consistency. So the old 10,000, you know, it's like anybody. I think the 10,000-hour rule worked well for me. Once I'd done 10 years of training, I was... But on a uh, level, you know, because you're sure you can say I've just stuck at it forever, but there's got to be more to it than that. Mm, um, what makes me good? But no, I think that that's, uh, I don't know, just my willingness to always go out there and just do it every week, just training every week and uh, and just enjoyment. And that's one of the... I mean, there's lots of other things that have driven me to be a good athlete, you know, when you want to prove yourself early on in the early years, it was all about identity. When you're going through school, you know, I grew grew identity through being good at sport. But then I think one of the things that why I've been at it for so long, it's not always about identity. It's just a general enjoyment of being out there training. So I think when I was a kid, you know, you got good at sport. People, you know, people notice you and stuff. But then over the years, it's just become a general enjoyment. So, you know, I don't go and do epic camps and things like that for um, for for gaining more identity or, or ego and things like that. It's just I just love going out there and training and seeing different parts of the world and stuff. So, I guess to answer your question, um, early on it was probably about identity and ego and stuff through the schooling years, and then after that, it's just uh, enjoyed doing it. Okay, next question. What's Far out, man. This is enough. Save some up last, for next week. Last one. Last one's a good one. Uh, of the things that are in your control, what's your biggest weakness? Uh, are we talking in a racing sense? Uh, or? or both, training and racing. Things that are in my control, what's my biggest weakness? You know, because you could kind of say, well, you know, I'm a shit swimmer, but and you can prove. But, you know, I mean, like, you know, of the things that I can have behavioural control over, what have been the things that maybe I... You know, deep down, I go, oh, if I'd done more of that, or I know I should be doing more of that, or, or you know, I'm a bit weak here, or something like that. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to think how things unraveled in Kona for me last year, and uh, whether behaviourally I could have changed anything there. Um, oh, Bevan, you hit me with yours. For, you give me an answer for this while I think about it. That's my biggest weakness. Mm. Um, um, as an athlete, uh, now I'm thinking back in my Ironman time, as I probably my just my my focus on working hard probably hurt me. I just tr- always just tried to go as hard as I could, not necessarily tried to train wise and try to look for more insight into how I could be more efficient and things like that. It was for me my journey was very much about discovery of self. It wasn't, you know, as much as I wanted to get good performances, it was ne- it was I was never really driven by don't get me wrong, I wanted to have good races, but I was never my my, my main drive and that's you know the reason I gave up was that <clears throat> that the spark of me trying to find a high level of self was no longer there for me. And that was always my driver was where's that high level of self? And I think ultimately as an athlete that desire to find that within myself, while I think I learnt a lot about myself through the sport, that actually hurt me because I didn't necessarily, I wasn't the smartest trainer. I very much loved just kind of killing myself, which is good a lot of the time, but some of the time I could have probably spent a bit more time on technique, efficiency and things like that um, than worrying so much about the kind of inner journey of the sport. 
But at the same time, that was what appealed to me at the sport. So I think that at the same time, while it was an appealing thing, it actually hurt me in my athletic performance a little bit. Mm. Possibly I'm just thinking, you know, one thing that I... I tend to be a bit stubborn about is uh, is basically always have my plan and sticking to my plan exactly, and uh, that and maybe getting out a bit more out of my comfort zone and and uh, would have, would have helped me a little bit. I'm thinking. Um, so like I, as I, 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 I so you go. I, I, I trained bloody hard and had, you know, there's, there's no doubt I, I went to some, some deep, dark places from time to time, but it was always on my terms. It was always part of my plan, yep. whereas um, perhaps I would have benefited more by um, going out on some group rides and being dictated to by other people. And when I think about, you know, when things start to unravel in Kona, whether deep down, you know, I was starting to lose some of that control I have from all the, the workouts that I do that were, you know, very controlled, very structured. And then sort of in Kona race day, um, I lost a lot of that control when the, there was all the drafting going on, the bike and stuff. So perhaps I should have put myself in those circumstances a little more frequently where I couldn't control the situation quite as much as I would have liked. Oh, nice work, good answer. Okay, well that killed her 10 minutes, nice work. See, see a bit of seriousness is made, yeah. eh? We got a bit deep then. Okay, yeah. so um, maybe we'll have a, a random question segment again in the future when we're running a bit short on the show. <laughs> I don't know, I was gonna, I should have asked you a pop culture question. What's your favourite uh-huh. movie of all time, John? Well, I did this on Saturday morning at soccer practice with the with the kids. It was the first well, first soccer game of the season. We went around the the circle with um with the boys and said, right, you know, what's your name? What school do you go to? And what's your favourite movie? Yep. And just because I wanted I wanted to be part of the gang, I said yep. Star Wars Episode Six. Episode Six. That's the yep. first one, isn't it? No, it's Return of the Jedi. Oh, Return of the Jedi's your favourite. I've, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've told you my Return of the Jedi story. That was because that was a, that was a perfect age for us, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Because everyone's yeah. we were too young, and then Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi comes along. Oh, gold. Oh. Seen, seen the trailer? Oh, who hasn't? Have you seen yeah. the, the Matthew McConaughey watching the trailer? No. I'll send you a link. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Saucy. I'll Saucy. tell you what, do you know what's going to be happening on December this year, guys? 18th. So, 18th? There's going to be a lot of money made around the world for oh, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Okay, Jonbo. So we've got our patrons. These are the people who are donating to keeping IM Talk uh, running and doing a great job and helping us put more time into making a better show. And uh, we're going to name some of the people who have been donating recently. And Jonbo, do you want to go first? I would love to know some of the how I come out with some of these nicknames because they, they re- some of these, uh, the, what we're using are, are previous nicknames and they're just on my list. So Jack... Custo Lynch. Got no idea how I would have come up with that. That's it's it's a great nickname, but okay. It the, is. the next one is good old Colin, hungry like a wolf Durant. Now oh, that come on, that has to come from Durant being close to Duran Duran, and then <laughs> nice. hungry like a wolf. I, I, I'm sure I chose that one. Yeah, hungry like a wolf. Michael Dooley got. Dig it, Dooley. Nice, that's a good one. He's got a picture on Facebook and he, uh, on Facebook on, on Athlinks and he's in a running race and he looks like he's digging it. So dig it, Dooley. Nice, good. That's it. That works with the double D. Um, Adam Adam Turner, the king, and he actually wrote a, a piece. Now, was he the one who sent us through the hot t- high five? He did. Yeah, with all the, the all the different little um, clips from over the last five years, it was on a, of shows. So I just thought he's the king. He's the king contributor, going through and actually taking little sound bites out of our previous shows. He went back to our five year anniversary show, which was when Bevan was getting new carpet laid down or something, and there was noise all over the place. And it was echoey because they're taking the carpet out of the studio. Remember? It was a terrible show, and also I think we had an interview. We got interviewed by the guys that. Um, Martin. 
um, no, it was Tom, wasn't it? It was Tom from yeah, Marathon Talk. From Marathon Talk, and uh, and he did an interview for us, and he took out a bunch of sound bites. So he's the king contributor for going through and doing that. And his his blog is as a d z Turner Blogspot at blogspot.co.uk. So if you want to check out some of his writings, you can go there. Okay, we also have Nick, the Admiral Rose, or Nick Nose Rose. Why did you call him Nose? I don't know. Maybe he had a big nose. I'm not sure. No, Nick doesn't have a big nose. Nick, now, Nick did, did, yeah, um, no. Nick did uh, a marathon recently. I saw some photos on Facebook. He did a marathon and he did a pretty good race. So, well, nice. Nick, you rock. And Mark, the unpredictable Wiltshire. Oh, nice. The unpredictable. Mm. What one? Is that an old one, is it? It's an old one. Nice. Yeah. nice. So these guys have all become patrons of the show. And again, if you want to become a patron, what happens is... You go to our website, there's a patrons page, you can choose which level of patronage you want to do, depending on the level, uh, depending on the rewards you get for your patronage, and then, uh, yeah, and you can just support us in what we're doing. So 10 bucks a month, you get a really cool black Iron Talk swim cap. If you go 20 bucks a month, you get a swim cap plus a 100% merino icebreaker Iron Talk beanie. Mm, there we go, so Nick Rose, here we go, he did the Manchester Marathon, over the moon with his time of 3.12 on my watch, great run with John, who did 3.16, kept each other going for the first 17 miles before being split up, so you basically dropped him. <laughs> 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 so well done Nick, love your work. Okay guys, uh, Jumbo sponsors? Athlinks.com uh, Social networking for endurance athletes? Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer? And of course our lovely patrons. Love you guys. Okay Jumbo, what's your goss? What's my goss? How'd the soccer team go? Sorry? How'd the soccer team go? We had a win and a loss. We had an unlucky um, 2-1 loss in our first game. Um, I thought we were potentially the better team. And then the second game, we had a a 2-1 win. So it was good. Good stuff. Nice. What position does Tommy play? uh, They're just all over the place at the moment. (laughs) I'm going to try to work on positions as we go through the season. But it's like nine days. Your kids grow older. Um, So Tom's now, he's he's coming up eight. And the difference in one year and their soccer performances is just night and day. They're actually playing soccer now. Whereas last time they're just sort of going around hacking the ball and and just all standing, 20 of them or 15 of them standing in a circle just trying to hack it into each other. But this time they're actually playing. So it was... uh, it was good fun. And outside of that, I don't know what the hell is going to happen today. I've got all sorts of plans laid down, but um, we'll see how much of that eventuates. Uh, what about this weekend? And then, you got much coming up this weekend? Big plans? Uh, Felicity's birthday party coming up this weekend. Oh, how old is she now? She is seven, six, seven, six, six, <laughs> six, seven. You should Bloody have seen face. <laughs> how long has she been at school for? She's six. She's six. <laughs> Seven. Six. Seven. Six. Born t- t- 2009. Uh, <laughs> and they've got Anzac weekend, so I think I'll probably have to drop Tommy off to the uh, the Dawn Parade. He's going to the Dawn Parade. He's always keen on a bit of that. Uh, you know, how bad is this? I've never been to the Dawn Parade. And because it's Saturday this year, I can't do it because of the runners. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty bad. I'd love to go. We well, might go something later on today. Mm. Mm. And just going to, I don't know, just... Back into my 100k weeks, cranked down 100k last week again. So just sort of sitting steady 100k weeks and first running race this season. This back it up. Well. Is this, Hackley is this, relays. Is Porno, Porno's doing your team, he's in, in your club, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's, he's, t- he's started tapering. Porno's training for the Boston Marathon, he's got one year away and he bailed out of his first training session last night. He was supposed to come to Hill Reps with the boys and one year out. Bailed out. It's not a good start. Not a good start. Day one of the training. Program. Well, did he give a reason? Did he have a good enough excuse? 
feeling a bit under the weather. Oh, well, well, you can't blame him for you feeling the way you are today. No. We actually yeah. went around to Pornos for dinner on Saturday night. Oh, that may be it. You cooked up a curry. Yeah, a curry, there you go. He's and I was slightly concerned because I'm, I'm not a big heat fan and uh, <clears throat> I'm not, you know, big into hot, hot food. And, uh, and Porno cooked, he dishes up, he says, it's curry, it's a little bit hot. And his partner, Steph, goes, oh, it might be too hot for these guys. He goes, nah, nah, it'll be right. And, I, and deep down inside myself, I think, oh, no, maybe it'll be really, really hot. But he actually nailed it. It was, it was actually quite mild, but it was pretty mm. beautiful. So he cooked up a bit of a feast for us. And then he did a, some dessert, which is absolutely gold. So he's a bit of a legend in the, old, in the kitchen old porno. Gosh. He's nailing it. Uh, what's my guess? You know what I've done? You know what, John, I've done this last, starting last week, Jombo, which is something I haven't done in years? That? Have a total day off work. Oh yeah, of yeah, course. yeah. You know what it's like when you run your own business. You kind of do something every day, and uh, we made our goal last year that we want to have Fridays off. So Friday, no work at all. And uh, Jesus, it was good. <laughs> it's quite nice to have a day off work. So I can remember to send you lots of emails on Fridays. <laughs> well, I won't check them. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't, check them. Don't, don't, don't check them. We went for a beautiful walk, and we went out for lunch, and then came home and watched a movie, and yeah, it was really mm-hmm. good. So if you if you work all the time, guys. Have a day off. It's, it's good for you. Gosh. And then, God. Oh, we did train. We went for a little bit of a run. Good. Joe's mm-hmm. jo, jo training for the marathon, so she's become Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's all good. But yeah, other than that, John, not much happening in my life. Cool. Righty-ho. Let's wrap it up then, eh? Wrap it up. I'm Russ. I mean, don't. Oh, actually, before we finish. Oh, back so it up. If you are keen on the Kona gig, um, let me know. It's going to be awesome. So it's going to be 2016, October 2016, the sort of 10 days before the race. And But I do need to get uh, a good level of interest, and then I'll push forward and do some some. So what's a good level of interest you want? How many do we need? Uh, well, that'll d- dictate the cost. You know, we always you always want more than fifteen, anything less than that, and um, uh, you just you just struggle to get the groups because we'll have a wide variety of abilities. So, in terms of ability wise on this camp, it doesn't matter too much if you're if you say slower than say 13, 14, we'll say 13 to 14 hours, then you probably have to have a few van trips in terms of the, the point-to-point rides and stuff just because we need to keep things together. But we'll have a big variety of abilities. Um, and as I said, if, if you've got a partner, if that will sweeten the deal, they probably won't enjoy the first part of the camp in terms of um, yeah, following following around. But if they want to fly in on the, the Monday or something, there's a big variety of accommodation options and you could get just a, a one-bedroom sort of condo and they could have the week there sort of Hanging out, and um, and there's, there's some, still some long days in that race week, but there's also some days where it'll be a bit shorter. So, for example, on like the Tuesday, we'll do the wetsuit aquathon, and we will run from the energy lab back into town as well. So that's just going to be basically be two workouts. So there'll be quite a bit of spare time on that day to do to do partner stuff. So I think it'll be wicked, and it's um it's just you get to go over there and experience the whole Ironman buzz, and you know the town's is pretty much. Iron Man Central for a week, and um, and we'll we'll do some Iron Talk shenanigans. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, guys, let's wrap it up, Jumbo. Iron Russ. Iron Man, don't train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha.